do those strategies that we learned in our family of origin play out in our relationship? If Chad's upset or angry or sad, what do I feel a tendency to do? And is it the right thing to do for this relationship? This is the Connecting Couples Podcast with The Real Emhoffs. Hi, I'm Chad Emhoff. And I'm Angela Emhoff. We're continuing our series on what we wish we knew. In this episode, specifically going to dive into the idea of what we learned from our family of origin about how to respond to emotion and how that affects and impacts how we respond to emotion in the relationship that we're in. So let me kind of unpack that for just a second. The idea is in our family of origin, how'd you know somebody was angry? How did you know somebody was sad? And then what was the family response to that? Maybe what were some of your strategies responding, right? If mom was angry or if dad was angry, what did you do to kind of mitigate some of that anger or protect yourself from it? And how do those strategies that we learned in our family of origin play out in our relationship? If Chad's upset or angry or sad, what do I feel a tendency to do? And is it the right thing to do for this relationship? That's what we're going to talk about. It's such a cool thing when I'm working with somebody and we start to go into their past and and really look at what did your family do uh, around these emotional moments, whether it was fear, anger, sadness. And we start to discuss, like, how did you know that that your family of origin was upset in any way? Uh, Or how did they celebrate? What did joy look like? Uh, It's really interesting because I think a lot of times couples, we attribute what our partner does in our moments of distress to either ourselves, like, okay, I'm bad. They don't want to show up for me or they're bad. And they're just choosing to leave me in this and they don't really want to be here with me. And so we believe things about our partners a lot of times based on what we experienced in our family of origin. I'm saying a lot there, so bear with me here. But, but if I, in my family grew up and my family didn't do any vulnerability around emotions. And then Angela comes at me with a lot of energy, a lot of emotion on a hard day. And then I shut down because that's what my family taught me to do. I really have good reasons why I'm shutting down. But that doesn't make a lot of sense to Angela if we haven't really discussed it. I love the idea, too, as we start to unpack this. We talked a little bit about early on in the basics and all of the episodes that we've done. We really try to bring forward what would a pursuer do in this scenario? What would a withdrawer do in this scenario? Really what Chad and I are doing is kind of bringing to the forefront where we even learned how to pursue, where we learned how to withdraw. Some of those tendencies, those natural strategies that our bodies have adapted for us to kind of survive some of these scenarios, or even just like interact well, survive sounds a little bit uh, more dramatic. But the reality is, in a situation in my family of origin where it got tense or mom or dad was upset, my family of origin's response is usually lean into it pretty aggressively with more words, with a louder volume, and resolve it quickly. And even if it doesn't resolve it, we have loudly discussed it and made a good stance, you know. (laughs) And Chad, same scenario, his mom or dad upset, his strategy or what he learned in his family of origin was, man, nothing good is going to come out of engaging this probably the best thing I should do is just give this a little time and we're going to be fine in a couple hours or a couple days. So now put the two of us together and watch how some of our conversations unfold. Just like we talked in the last episode, we were thinking about, have you ever considered 
about any of the topics we mentioned in the last episode, what your partner's experience was around that topic and how that influences how you engage with it. Same thing here in this conversation is how we respond to some of these kind of negative, if I want to say it, but you even brought up joy, positive emotions too. How we respond to emotion, emotions coming up, how the interaction feels is really influenced by the strategies we learned in our families of origin. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's funny because I work with lots of different people, lots of different lifestyles, you know, from construction workers to doctors to whatever. But I think especially stereotypically, withdrawer, male withdrawers get told not to express. Mm. They get told not to say Especially at work, you know, they get rewarded for that. If I'm a construction worker and I'm hurting today, I don't, I don't cry at work. Same thing with a surgeon. They don't cry in the operating room. And so really our culture has rewarded a lot of those professions by saying, lock it up, shut it down, don't go into those painful places. I think, same, thing, same thing with success though, Ange. Yeah, but- you were saying joy. It's like a lot of times... We don't show joy either. If, if we make the big sale or have the big deal, it's like we can celebrate for about 30 seconds and then it's on to, and now I've got to continue this success. I was just going to say same thing with women, actually. Yeah. Like you're saying that men get kind of promoted or honored when they dismiss their emotion. Women stereotypically get criticized for being yeah. too emotional. So yeah, it's yeah. not like it's a open space for us to just be emotional or let our emotion out or respond to our emotion. If we cry too much or are too angry or too dramatic, that tends to work against us. And so we have learned how to lock it down just like men do. It just looks a little bit differently. So same thing, whether we learn that in our family of origin or whether we learn that in our culture, when we come together now as two humans who are getting married and going to have intimate conversations and intimate spaces, some emotions are going to flare up and how we are able to respond to each other when they do is largely affected by what we've learned, what we know, and some of the strategies we bring to the table around responding to emotion or not responding to emotion. Well, and a quick reminder about what even emotion is, it's like, we're just talking about what happens inside your body when either, uh, you're, you're hurt, you're successful, you're grieving, you're, you're, you're scared, you're disgusted, right? Like what happens inside you physically, your physical body, how does it respond to this and really your physical body is, is influenced by what your brain does chemically. So your brain will send these, you know, dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine, cortisol, all kinds of uh, chemicals out to motivate us, to move us, to get us to do something. And that's kind of the root word of emotion, to yeah. move. And so, or that's what it means. And so really when we're talking about emotion, we're just saying, can we express that to someone who's safe in our relationship? And, and if we can't, then there's probably a good reason. We were probably trained not to at some point. All babies start crying. They start, come out of the womb, basically, you know, and they, the first thing they do, most of them is scream out, hey, this is weird, this is cold, this isn't comfortable. <laughs> then you put, you put them on their mom, and then they're kind of, okay, this is kind of familiar, sort of, but what's this air stuff? <laughs> you yeah. know, it's a weird process. And so at, at some level, we all had to scream out. We all had yeah. to cry out for help early on in life. But at some point, 
we got told not to do that anymore. And whether that's, you know, the, the woman, as Angela said, that was told she was too emotional or the man who's only ever rewarded for not being emotional and not showing any of it. Either one of those, it's like somewhere we found, okay, this is how I'm going to get responded to. This is how I'm going to get taken care of. And if we have opposite feelings about that, if we've experienced it differently or been trained differently, which is almost always the case, then we're really going to not respond to each other well. We're not going to show up in the moments that we need each other. And so that's really something that we want to kind of look at and think about. I want to take a second too, just like we have in the last couple of episodes where we're talking about what we wish we knew. We're not at all trying to say, man, you guys didn't know what you needed to when you got married and that's why it's hard. Or we're not trying to add shame or even not even blaming family of origin issues for what they may or may not have done because they didn't know any better. Here Chad and I are with a pretty articulate understanding of emotion and how attachment works. And we have a little five-year-old who, when she gets hurt, like if she falls and scrapes her knee or falls and bumps her elbow or physically is hurting, she really doesn't like to do that in front of people. Like even Chad and I, when we're like, are you okay, Avery? Can I hug you? How's your knee? She'll tuck her face down, tuck her head down, turn her body. She really likes to be in physical pain by herself. And so we have gone out of our way to say, it's okay, we want to be here for you. But there is a strategy. Her body is already at five picking up and we're trying to respond to it because we have an awareness. I can't imagine that my mom and dad had an awareness of how to respond to me when I hurt myself if I wanted to do that alone or not. You know, most of our parents did the best they could with what they knew in how to respond to us. You know, for my mom. What's crazy is the books back then told them to respond the way they were responding. So it's not their fault. Are you bleeding? Is anything broken? You're fine. Shake it off. You know, or however that goes. So I want to just make sure we're not saying you know, if you didn't get what you needed or you didn't have a family that responded well to emotion, you can never learn it or that's really, you know, a tough spot. So many of us didn't. And now even journeying with us through this podcast and starting to have a better awareness of emotion and what's happening for you and how to share it, that's huge to be able to do. This is just yet another episode where we're saying, hey, we want you to have not only an awareness of what happens to you, when somebody's upset or when somebody's sad or when there's possibly just an uncomfortable emotion internally, what happens for you? Do you find yourself curious about it, wanting to know more, wanting to push in? Or do you find yourself going, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this or this is something I don't really want to ask more about. I'm going to leave it alone. I mean, even in those two descriptions, I am subtly describing a pursuer and a withdrawer well, and, and how those strategies yeah. come forward. You know, Angela, I love that you bring up Avery because I'm thinking about how really unnatural in some ways it is for us to continue to express. We become self-aware as kids and we start realizing, hey, this doesn't get me what I want or I don't like the way that that feels when somebody notices me. Even that kind of shame or embarrassment that Avery can kind of display sometimes. So we're being pretty intentional about telling her it's okay to share when she's hurting or it's okay to come forward and, and just be real with us. Tell us what's going on inside of her. But that's not a natural move in some ways. We really do have this part of our brain that's only designed to protect us, to kind of keep us feeling okay and safe and accepted in relationship. 
So Avery, whether it was, you know, to have a tendency to say, hey, I'm okay and hide and not, and, and she'll fall down and hit her knee. And I, it's funny, she'll jump up and give me the thumbs up real fast and say, <laughs> I'm okay, I'm okay. You know, but, and I know she's not okay. I'm like, and I'll literally pick her up and say, it's okay, you're not okay, and that's okay. Right? And she's like, then she'll cry or something. But, but we do this, we go after that part of her because we want her to know that she can express in a safe relationship what's really happening inside her. She does not have to be all the time okay. I think I love that you're using the word okay as often as you are in this because that's something Chad and I had to kind of shift with her. If she got hurt, our first question would be to her, are you okay? And the subtle implication is we want you to be okay and things are better when everyone's okay. Which is true. But the reality is in that moment, if she's not okay, we could start to see the pressure she felt that even if she wasn't okay, it's like she wanted to be okay. So she is already at age five developing an awareness and a strategy that everything is better when everything's okay. So when I'm not okay, it's even better if I say I'm okay. And so we have had to learn how to give her permission if she's hurt to not be okay. And I think we lose sight of that in our adult relationships with our spouses that sometimes we're not okay. Sometimes we're sad. Sometimes we're disappointed. Sometimes we're lonely, even though we're married because we've had because we've had a busy week and we're missing each other. And there's this fear that if I say, "Hey, I'm lonely this week," or "Hey, I'm really overwhelmed this week," or you know, we're buying a house and selling a house this summer, and that's stressful. How do we express that and it be okay that we're not okay? Yeah, I mean, and that's. You know, that's a, it's a cool thing. Even again, I want to run back to Avery just for a second because I'm like, man, I was just sitting over here thinking as you were talking and saying, if she's not okay and she's giving me the thumbs up and telling me, it's fine, it's fine. I'm, she's saying that because she doesn't want to be the problem. She yeah. doesn't want to be, oh, well, this is going to change our plans or now I'm going to have to stop riding my bike for the day or whatever the thing is. She's like, I don't want to be the problem. I don't want to be too much. I don't want to be the yeah. thing that causes this to go bad. And if she gets really good at it, even that thumbs up, it's almost a little withdrawer move, right? I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay, just let me go away and I'll be fine. Don't, don't look at me. You can see the two parts starting yeah. to develop in her. And we're trying to ride that middle line to tell her it's okay that you're not okay, that you are, you did mess up in some ways. And also, it's okay that you express it to us, and you're not too much if we have to stop and change our plans. Golly, so much is learned yeah. as children yeah. that we, as adults, lose sight of where we learned it or how now our bodies just naturally go to these places so quickly in an interaction or yeah. in a fight or in an engagement with you or you with me that we lose sight of where this came from and why our body feels so urgent in the moment to kind of fulfill the strategy that we're playing out. Well, I, I think this is a good spot for us to start saying, hey, let's lead to our connect point. Yeah, for sure. We're not quite there yet, but we should talk through it a little bit. So I want to ask, really, I'll ask myself first. Like, So when I was a kid, if I'm sitting down getting ready to do this connect point, I want to say, when I was a kid, what, was, what did it look like in my family when my parents were angry, when they were upset? And for me, I've got to tell you, there wasn't yelling. There wasn't a lot of drama. Maybe my mom could be mad at us and, you know, say, march it, get in here, Chad, you know, use that middle <laughs> name, you know you're in trouble then. But I'm like, 
it's not, it, it, there wasn't a lot of that. There wasn't a lot of you're in trouble. I'm going to get you. It, it, and, yeah. Or she was really angry about something. It just wasn't that way. And so I didn't get a lot of like practice with a ton of anger. So whenever somebody raises their voice or gets loud, it's kind of odd to me mm. in some ways. What about you, Ange? Man, what about my anger? dad is a football coach. I've shared that before in our podcast. And my mother uh, really likes to, she's a script supervisor. She works on movies and her job is to point out discrepancies in the set. So in life, she's pretty good at pointing out discrepancies also if something's wrong. And so I have these two parents yeah. that usually have a lot of volume, a lot of confidence, and don't mind letting you know when something isn't right or something needs to be coached. So <laughs> there was a lot of actually conflict in my family of origin. But the weird thing was that an hour later, we were all fine. Like it, there was so much that it is just a natural part of every day. Well, I mean, I, I love it because like we we're going to fireworks. Your dad gets really, really mad one day. And, and then it's like five minutes later, nobody's everybody's back to normal and we're eating ice yeah, cream yeah, or something. Sure. I was like, in it, my family, if somebody had yelled like that, it meant somebody was like leaving the house for a while or something. No, for I mean, us, it was like, not a, yeah. almost like pass me that spoon for the potatoes is an aggressive conversation. <laughs> Give me the spoon right now. <laughs> no. Uh, all right. Well, okay. Well, what about, what about something a little bit different? Maybe like anger, I think is pretty common yeah. to express. But again, in my family, we didn't, my never saw my, if my dad got angry, it was like a, maybe it was the purse slip or something that I yeah. kind of noticed in you. Like he would get kind of serious. I'll tell yeah. you an emotion that we didn't see a lot of examples of, which was sadness. In my family, if somebody was sad or there were tears, if there was disappointment, if there was loss, that was a like, go to your room quietly and spend time alone be sad and almost like a pull yourself back together before you re-engage with people because you don't want to make everybody else hmm. sad yeah. that was kind of the underlying theme was like go do sad by yourself and take the time you need but then when you come back just be happy and everybody be grateful yeah. you know so there wasn't a lot of even um, examples of well, what happens if I'm sad? I don't know what my mom or my dad do when they go to the room by themselves. Are they crying? Are they like reading the Bible? Are they punching a pillow? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I'm just left to go to my own room and go, okay, I'm sad. What am I supposed to do here? Make this up. Because right. I didn't see the example. Well, and I, I think in my family, if you're sad, you, uh, they did a pretty good job in some ways. They would cry together. They would grieve together. We would get, do the funeral, go, all, all whatever yeah. the thing. I mean, I'm thinking about funerals for whatever reason, that grief piece. Um, yeah, so I think, again, you had better expression of anger. I had a little bit better expression of sadness maybe in my family of origin. What about, what about fear or, or law, like scared? That Golly, kind of I think my family attacks fear pretty aggressively. Yeah. Like my dad was a hunter, like quite literally would like hunt bears. So... There weren't very many um, moments of fear. my brother's like a storm chaser. I feel like <laughs> if there's like a natural disaster, we're like going into it pretty curious, yeah. <laughs> which is the opposite of me. I'm like, uh, these, this seems dangerous. We should go the other direction. Maybe that's why we're together. Cause my family was the same way. They're like, <laughs> Oh, we're not really scared of anything, whatever. Yeah. You know, my dad, he said, when I have nightmares, I just turn around and hunt the thing that's chasing me and it just changes it. I'm like, so maybe fear we both kind of dealt I with differently. If I think about like know. fear of or something that's causing anxiety or something like that, my, my family's faith really kind of stood in the gap for a lot of that, yeah. but almost to a fault because then I didn't really understand the impact the fear was having or what the fear was about because we almost immediately added that faith component to it. Yeah. 
almost to dismiss or minimize the fear when the fear was actually there. And so now as an adult, I'm like, wait a minute, actually fear and faith um, are best friends because when I'm afraid, that's when I need my faith. Yeah. I can't use it to dismiss the fear. It's actually present there with it. So, All right. Here's my favorite one. How did people celebrate? What about joy? Well, uh, like I said, my dad's a football player <laughs> and a football coach. And so, man, when we win the game, we celebrate a lot. A lot of cake was eaten, too. But, I mean, it was, like, usually a party, a celebration, accolades, fireworks, whatever the thing was, celebration. You guys are good at celebrating. Yes, yeah. yes. I think my family was pretty good at celebrating, too. I think we could actually have a birthday yeah. party, have a good time together, go hang out, go do something, you know. When things went well, we did a pretty good job of celebrating. I, I got to say that we got back to work pretty quickly, yeah. too, uh, but but there was some celebration there. So. so what we want you to do, really, in this episode is to consider – when in my family of origin, there were, like Chad is saying, even celebratory things or sad, disappointing, fearful things, things that caused anger in your family of origin, what did you see your family members doing? How did the family respond? And even more importantly, what was coming up for you? Can you identify some of the strategies that you adapted from your family of origin to respond to those circumstances? And then have a conversation with your partner not even necessarily about how they play out now, but about your experience learning the strategies that you have. Again, we want to, in this entire series, bring a curiosity around some of the things we didn't know that we have kind of naturally slid into responding to, that if we bring them back up and you can have a different kind of an awareness around your partner's experience and where they come from and why they do some of the things they do, it can really shift empathy for each other, understanding when we're, you know, tackling a problem or having a conflict. I can start to go, oh, wait a minute. Now I have a different idea of why Chad is not wanting to do this my way or has his own way because he was influenced and that influence really has an impact on us still. So again, as always, thank you so much for listening to this, taking the time to invest in your relationship mm -hmm. and inviting us into your journey of relationship. If, if you enjoy this, please share it with a friend, rate us, give us a thumbs up on YouTube, like us, follow us. Um, we would love to be able to reach more people and help more people just have, have these conversations yeah. that I know get missed. Um, and so if you can do that, we would appreciate it. Thank you so much for checking this out and we'll see you in the next Thanks. episode.